This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 209. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On bonus episode 209, it's movie club time. This is the listener reviews for our Challenge Teapot Movie Club November 2019. Oh, second last stop in our Asian horror jaunt has brought us to Hong Kong and a little movie called Dream Home. We will be listening to your reviews, your thoughts and your feelings after the first break. But before we get to that, let's do some show notes, some shimfo right up front at the beginning of this episode. So welcome. We are officially just past the halfway mark for the weekend. Boy, does it feel good. That weekend is spitting distance and I cannot wait to relax, kick back and welcome in December. That's right, we're almost there. Sunday brings us December. How the fuck did that happen so early? We have some content to get you there, ladies and gents, and what I can only say is a fucking virtual tsunami of podcast content which is going to come down on you. It's going to rain down on you like a really nasty bukkake or, if you're a stripper, them dollar dollar bills, y'all. Now, December is going to be particularly busy for us out there. If you thought October gave you bang for your buck, you've seen nothing yet. With, at the moment, 15 planned episodes over 24 days of podcasting. The podcast under the stairs officially finishes up on Christmas Eve with our annual Christmas Eve commentary. This year, it's going to be killer clowns from outer space. And I'm going to be joined by, at a bare minimum... Liam Rafferty from Scott Liam versus Evil, but if I can swing it together, I'll have his sexy co-host Scott on with us to sit down, shoot the shit, and take in the beauty, the glory, the majesty, which is some killer clowns from outer space. But in between now and then, we have so much fucking shit to drop on you. I, I'm not even joking. We have a Tremors Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. We have another little movie club challenge for you. We will have bonus movie reviews and listener choice December picks as well. Which will start on Monday this coming week with your dream movie choice for me to review. The following week you get another listener choice episode is dream double bill as selected by you guys out there and then if all that wasn't enough the following week on the monday you get your 
Christmas horror movie I've never reviewed before on the show review. That is historically and traditionally featuring Ryan Lewis and we will see, we will move heaven and earth to make sure that happens again because I do enjoy it when we sit down and chat about, generally because of your choices out there ladies and gents, generally we chat about shitty Christmas horror movies. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where the pendulum drops on that one, you guys have started to select that one and we will see where we land with that. So yeah, between all that though you're going to have bonus content as well, like the new um, Black Christmas remake movie which is out Friday the 13th over here, will be getting viewed at some point and reviewed for podcasts under the stairs content and you're going to have some 88 Farm Slasher Classic Collection reviews, some Italian collection reviews and an Arrow Video Assortment collection review as well. So yeah, all of that in between. So tons of content coming your way. Rounding out the rest of this week though, um, this coming Saturday, you'll get our November 2019 report where I sit down and go back through the big horror movie news the titles that were released in the UK, what the bespoke labels are putting out, what they put out in this month, as well as how the podcast Under the Stairs has done in the month. What were our top five episodes that we released? It's probably pertinent at this time to take a little bit of time here and thank every single one of you guys out there that made me achieve what I think or thought for the longest time was the impossible. Um, the day of this recording, which truth be told is on the Wednesday, the episode dropping on the Thursday, I uh, found out that the podcast under the stairs bypassed, just in the morning, we've now comfortably bypassed the 100,000 download mark for 2019, which is absolutely fucking insane. To put things in perspective, as it stands just now, it's about 15,000 more downloads than we got in the entire 2018. And my ambitious target for this year was 100,000 downloads, which you guys have made me achieve a month and a half early. So I genuinely cannot thank you guys enough for that. You have made a weary old podcaster happy and I put a message on Facebook and I just want to reiterate it here. There is, this is for all intents and purposes, a hobby of mine. This is what I do in my spare time in between working and family and all that shit. I, for the longest time, recorded it either in a cupboard under my stairs or in my bedroom. I've now relocated house and I have a whole floor pretty much that I get to record in, which is kind of cool. But there's no network behind this show. We're not sponsored by any products or run any ads. Um, everything that I do for this podcast is paid at my own pocket and I don't do Patreon or any of that shit and the fact that we've managed to achieve those numbers this year is not only a testament to how fucking awesome you guys out there are listening to the shows and sharing it but the phenomenal journey that we've come in the last six years so I'm going to save any more sentimental bullshit and thank you all from the bottom of my heart thank you very much for making me a very very happy man a month out from the end of the year. Right, let's get into this. You guys sent in some reviews. Some of them good, some of them less good. So we'll see where we land with this. Can you guess who thought what? That'll be the thing that I'm challenging you over this little break here. But until then, you're gonna hear promos for shows that I love. You're gonna hear a little bit of music. Let's put a spring in our step here. You're also gonna hear the trailer for this movie club selection. This is Dream Home. 
and your reviews are coming right up right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
買樓呢啲嘢隨時都得啦，係嘛？唔係啊，嗰啲錢我儲咗好耐㗎啦，嗰層樓我就嚟買㗎啦。就算你阿爸冇病都好，係唔應該而家買樓。收嘢啦，媽！而家有咩咁大件事啫？咁咪唔好做咯。咁你早講啊，我唔供啊。Ladies and gents, so you have just heard the trailer for Dream Home. This was my November 2019 Asian Horror Movie Club selection. Oh, that's right. I fancied something bloody, something a little bit violent. And uh, Dream Home brings it in buckets. Let's find out what you guys made of it. And let's start with um, the, the fucking sexy baritone that is our good buddy Derek. Derek said, Hey, what's going on, Teapots listeners? That's right, it's movie club time, and if you're hearing this, you know that this is Derek from Cinema Attack, Celluloid Dissections, No More Room in Hell, and Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. Damn, I'm a busy man as usual. Here to give you my review of a film for the film uh, Dream Home from 2010. That's right, Dream Home. What can I say that... Uh, it's been a while since I watched this one, and I had a suspicious feeling that this was going to be the film for this month. I didn't say anything to Duncan because he even said uh, he had a few guesses on this film. So, I was surprised that I was right as usual. Now, Dream Home. Uh, first up, big ups to Josie Ho, who plays the main lead of this film. Phenomenal performance, I gotta say. Uh... The way that her character uh, changes through like uh, the situations of the story that is being told, and we see the contrast of her obsession, pretty much, and the way that her character breaks down in certain scenes, it's phenomenal, and it's a great performance, and it's definitely one that I appreciate more on rewatch because the first time I watched this, you know, I was like. Yeah, you know, it's kind of shaky in some points. But now that it's my, my third time watching this one, I'm like, damn, that's a great performance because of the aspects of what's going on. You get to see a little bit more depth into it and more paying attention. Plus, I wasn't really a reviewer then when I actually first watched this film. But anyways, that's a, besides the points, guys. 
yeah, phenomenal performance. And, you know, uh, the first time I heard of this film, of course, the first thing that I heard about it was it's kind of like a slasher. It is and it isn't in that sense. It does borrow a lot of slasher motifs from, like, uh, the Western slasher film, of course. Uh, but it's more of a message film because the underlying message of this movie is pretty great. I'll get a little bit more into it in a minute. But uh, another aspect is the film's beautifully shot. It has some great imagery, especially the outside. I love how all the outside exterior shots of, like, buildings make the buildings look like they're characters also in the film, which makes sense because it's the whole message of the movie with, uh, you know, the political satirical of rent and how to live and getting where you want in high price of rent, which is kind of uh, also here today. Especially, uh, I kind of related to this film because uh, kind of where she grew up in, is kind of like, kind of looks like the area I actually grew up in. Maybe not as bad, but it kind of has like the same building structure and kind of the same motifs of buildings. And I kind of relate because, you know, also with like the high price rent uh, message that the film is trying to portray because uh, I live in Massachusetts and our rent is kind of out crazy and certain situations in areas too where you know there is affordable renting especially the place where i live now but uh it's could be better and you kind of want better in that aspect so i kind of feel for the character in that aspect too but uh some brutal kills man oh man uh if you haven't seen this film uh there's a scene involving a pregnant woman in a vac bag which you have to see to believe, and I fucking cringe at every time I watch this film. I actually always forget that that scene happens, and fuck, it's so brutal and fucking so heartbreaking to watch, and I, I just cringe every time I see it, and it's insane in that aspect of uh, just nail-biting suspense, and the kills are slow-paced death and doom. Oh my god, it's fucking brutal. Uh, another thing that I think a lot of people on their first time watch this one, which, you know, I kind of, maybe it happened to me that the film is told in a non-linear sense where we see different aspects of her life and it keeps going back to those, then goes back to like, uh, the events that are being portrayed in the main lemon gooey portion of the movie where they, they, she's going around killing people pretty much. And, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking in some situations that she goes through. And you can see her breakdown to this point as the film progresses. But you see different aspects and different time spaces and pieces of the puzzle of what makes her, sets her off to go on this journey. And go on, like, this killing spree out of nowhere. And it's a powerful film with a powerful message. Which I think a lot more people will appreciate over time. Especially on other views, because this is definitely a film that, you know, I kind of got confused on the main message of it the first time, because I'm just looking for kills at that point. When Plus, I wasn't a reviewer then, also, like I am now, and I kind of see 
some aspects of it that I appreciate a lot more on this watch. And, you know, I love this film. It's a beautiful film with a dark message. And it, it hit me hard because of the aspects of how I was raised and grown up to in that aspect. Uh, yeah, very fucking solid, awesome film. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, what would I rate a uh, dream home? Uh, good question. Maybe on my first watch, I was maybe at a three on the second watch, 3.5 to a four. I'm going to give it a solid 4.5 out of five. Uh, yeah, fucking solid film. I really, really, really almost close to loving this film. Definitely one that you should check out, especially if you're a fan of like Cat 3, uh, Hong Kong action slash horror films. Cat 3 is a very big subject in its own right. I'm a huge fan of like Anthony Wong films like Ebola Syndrome and uh, The Untold Story. And this fits well in that category. It's more of a, like a later day version of those. And uh, yeah, fucking awesome shit. Alright guys, that's it for my portion of uh, the movie club. As always, like I said, you can check me out on Cinema Attack, uh, Celluloid Dissections, No More Room in Hell, and also... Uh, yeah, those could be found on Horophilia. Yeah, I had like a brain fight where I was talking, guys. Sorry about that. But as always, you could also find me on Legion Podcast Network under Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space under the Kill the Cast banner where we give you those visions from Monsterland. And if you haven't heard already, I'll be back on Teapot soon. Me and the good man Duncan are going to be talking about some tremors uh, with the first film in the franchise Russian roulette retro oh yeah that's gonna be fun get me some Kevin Bacon but by the time this gets out guys it's probably gonna be Thanksgiving for me so I'm gonna go eat a turkey leg so have a great rest of your day and enjoy the rest of the show peace and thank you very much to our buddy Derek for getting in there check out Derek's stuff man he's super cool he will also be joining me uh, kicking off our tremors Russian Roulette franchise retro in what just over a week's time that episode's going to drop the first one covering parts one and two with a little bit of Derek and Dave Z who's joining me for Tremors 2 so looking forward to putting that one out and me and Derek we're also talking and hopefully in December there's a little bit of bonus content as well we will be reviewing Joe Dante's classic matinee for podcasts under the stairs as well very much looking forward to that uh, it appears we have found another reviewer out there who loves the movie as much as I so I'm looking very much forward to sitting down and discussing that one thanks again Derek for sending that review in and let's move on to the next one from Bill Babcock who says review of Dream Home for myself the movie Dream Home was like an exercise in walking a mile in another person's shoes it's hard to imagine subprime housing with a view to a lifelong goal. Even harder to find much of anything to admire or even like about the main character. A sociopath who will kill anyone to get a room with a view she dreamt of her whole life. The sick practical effects were very well done and realistic and kept me interested in the story when I was finding it hardest to relate. Being from a rural area, I can't imagine living in such an overcrowded city, working three jobs and killing anyone who gets in my way of finding a tiny condo with an ocean view. I guess I can empathise a little 
But that very last scene redeemed the story. As a radio newscaster explained a worldwide financial crisis was happening and the probable ramifications it would have on the housing and mortgage markets. I will be on the lookout for more from this director's stuff, if only for more of that beautiful gore. 3.5 out of 5 stars for me. Thank you very much for sending in that review, Bill. Yeah, I think from, and I'm going to say it's more a UK perspective, I think the message, particularly when the movie came out, which was, what, circa 2008-2009, we were much more aware of that. Plus Hong Kong being a, a former colony, so to speak, occupied, if you know what that means. We don't say too much about that and we'll leave it there and walk away from it slowly. Considering it is, of course, Thanksgiving, which is a celebration of you guys just escaping us and setting up your own little shop somewhere else. Ungrateful motherfuckers. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think that message resonates a bit more on the UK side. I know quite a few people in the past that have said they watched the movie but they don't understand what the point is. Uh, so I can kind of see where you're coming from but I'm glad that you dug that beautiful vicious gore. Oh, a little bit of viscera and Duncan is smiling from ear to ear and apparently so is Bill. Thank you very much for sending that in. Right, let's swing across to our next review which is of course from our good buddy Don and Ellie. Don says, This edition of Movie Club was an exciting one for me as it was, so far, the only film on the Asian swing we've done that was a first-time watch and it ended up being quite a genuinely enjoyable effort with a lot to like about it. Though supposedly being a horror comedy, very little of the film was funny and was mostly played straight anyway, so the labelling was pretty puzzling. That comes out especially during the last half when it feels more like a drama with a subplot about the dying family member and the care and attention given there, which is mixed in with the backstory about a troubled childhood and the struggles between them. This makes it feel more like a true horror instead of a mixture between horror and comedy, especially with old school Hong Kong horror comedies that used to mix them well together. When these are dropped in, it goes for the gore. And stalking scenes in the rampage are a lot more fun, making for some great gore setups. A series of bloody murders and a lot of action within to make for some real highlight moments, especially as the Stoner's Loft, where there's a huge rampage against inhabitants, which was a total blast. The motive for the rampage is somewhat weak, and the finale of the film is a bit tame, but it's still a lot of fun when it gets down to what it wants to do. In the end, I'd say this makes for a solid 4 out of 5 on the Netflix scale and an enjoyable first time watch. Thanks very much for that review, Don. Always great to hear from you and always glad to see that you continue your run of submitting reviews in to, of course, Movie Club. So let's take a bit of time here, swing it across to an audio review which was submitted from our good buddy David Garrett Jr. David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Putz listeners. David Garrett Jr. back again for November 2019 Movie Club Challenge. This month being the film Dream Home from Hong Kong. Now, this is actually another movie that I had never seen before, but I actually remember the covers back with my days at Family Video, which is actually kind of funny because I remember seeing this and had no idea that it was a horror film. And it was actually through podcasts that I realized the actual genre and my error. And I was actually glad that this was selected for this month so I could actually have a reason to check it out. 
And I'll be honest, I didn't see where this was going at first. But once I did, I was blown away with what they were doing. I like how this was edited where we get our cold open here that really sets the tone about how brutal this is going to be. But it wasn't until the reveal at the end that I kind of put it all together and realized why our main character Chang went on this rampage that she did. And it was at that moment of the reveal that really kind of solidified how much I really enjoyed this film. I like it that she's smart enough to not actually kill the sellers of the house that she really wants to buy because of the moment where they decide no longer to sell it to her and they're actually willing to pay back her deposit just even doubling it to kind of get her to go away but actually it's genius to go around and kill just random people in the building to make it look like a psycho who just kind of went on a serial or a spree kill here and that just made it even more kind of of a sweet idea that this film came up with and it actually gives her even a better position at the very end with this elderly couple now to kind of back up just a little bit here, another thing if you know anything about me and the films that I really enjoy is I love a film that can have a good social commentary without necessarily ramming it down our throats. Now we get these opening stats about the income levels in Hong Kong and how with inflation that the incomes have only gone up by 1% while housing payments have gone way up by I believe 15%. So what you're getting is that the housing market is really making it where those that are lower income are not able to kind of purchase a home while those that are rich are able to kind of keep moving along and buy things. But it also kind of brings up an interesting situation here with the housing market and the bubble that actually burst uh, back in the 2000s, which I thought was kind of a cool thing that I actually didn't pick up on until later in the film, but then it makes it so much more sense when Cheng with our with her boyfriend at the time who tells her that she shouldn't buy a housing because of these so-called experts are actually charlatans and that they're actually giving incorrect information which like I said makes a lot of sense for what ends up happening after that and actually kind of talking about Cheng here she really has so many things that I felt bad for from the beginning and we actually get to see a lot of her history I mean, some examples of this is she's actually dating a married man, which I feel horrible for her because that guy's a scumbag. But we also see that she wants a flat that is overlooking the harbor because her grandfather used to leave the flat that they all lived in together to go get closer to see the water. So she wants to kind of have that as part of her dream home. And we also see a moment where she actually is bullying her little brother and her dad takes her aside later and tells her that you know once she has her own job and her own money she can afford her own room and it's just more of a heartbreaking situation for me to see she really wants all these different things even though they're out of her price range and because of how bad things are kind of in her life and how she's not really catching any sort of breaks and I mean her job is another thing that is just a horrible where she's actually a telemarketer and the product she's trying to sell to people is not worth what they're trying to get and it's really just a waste of her time so kind of all that together really makes this character into who she is and it forms all of these things so when it gets pulled out from underneath her by this elderly couple she finally snaps now going along with this I actually kinda of wanted to bring up the fact that we have some really beautiful cinematography where we're actually for the credit sequence seeing these high-rise buildings and there's a feel to it almost where it's they're a mythological almost thing that we get 
because they have this weird quality to them where it's almost disorienting. And I really kind of picked up that I at least interpreted it this way that this is almost showing that these people can't ever reach this goal, including our character Chang. And it's kind of sad to see that. Now, something I also really feel like I had to cover before I ended this as well would be the effects are quite amazing. I was blown away with how brutal they were, and the practical effects were good, and I even think the CGI that we get isn't bad either. I think a lot of that was actually used for things like somebody gets stabbed from behind, and you're really not going to be able to do that in real life, so they use CGI there. It just really is there for enhancements, and the ones that were fully CGI I thought also looked good. Now, as I said, this is a first-time watch, and I'm actually mad at myself for having missed it as long as I have. Seeing this as an overall product has a lot of aspects that I really look for in films. We have a killer that, for the most part, doesn't really have a lot of reasons for what she's doing, except she finally is getting the dream that she's wanted to. It just comes at a price that is higher than most people are willing to pay, and we get a lot of good social commentary here. There's good effects, and it's just edited in such an interesting way. So I do have to say, Duncan, you are right. This is a fun film, and I can see why there's a lot of fans out of there, and it's just actually made another one with me. I actually give this a 4.5 out of 5 on the Netflix scale, and looking forward to the episode and the rest of the listeners' reviews for this one. David Garrett Jr. signing off. And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for sending in that review. Glad you dug the movie, buddy. Always glad to be spreading it around. That's the kind of goal of Movie Club is... We're going to put movies out there, hopefully you've not seen it before, hopefully you're finding a movie that you're now digging, that goes into that library of movies that you can go back and check out or recommend, but I'm a realist here, I know not everyone is going to be singing from the same hymn sheet there, nor should they be, they want to be in a position where every movie I pick is universally loved, I like a little bit of that conflict. Let's find out what our next audio reviewer thought of it, as of course the rather phenomenal Rafael Fernandez. Rafael says, What's up, Viat? What's up? Hello, T folks. Sorry I'm back. Dream Home tells the story of Sheng Lai Sheng, a woman obsessed since childhood with moving on up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. She's working two part-time jobs, including as one selling subprime loans, which won't end well, spoiler alert, plus as a mistress who's getting screwed more ways than one by her lover. But life in an out-of-control housing market continually frustrate her attempts to realize her unrealistic goal, until a night of murderous mayhem seems her only solution. You can't take Dream Home too seriously, it's a cartoon violence slasher after all, but it also sells a message about living within your means and the danger of the seductive influence of materialism. All the businessmen cheat on their wives, and their wives tolerate it in return for a life of financial comfort. Our protagonist's unrealistic dream is also the result of her being spoiled despite the best efforts of her family to raise her humbly. The movie could have been remade by Hollywood and set in a similarly notorious high-cost-of-living city, like, say, San Francisco, and worked just as well. Because Dream Home was about Shang, the movie really needed actress Josie Ho to be on her game if the entire film was to be successful. And she was. Her character transitioned from a mild-mannered anywoman to an intense, aggressive, and intimidating slasher killer. 
not only her performance, but her visage and the costume and makeup decisions, sold her transformation. For me, she really did look and act like a different person during the scenes of her rampage. However, in my opinion, the scenes that attempted to sell that Shanks' killing spree resulted from compounding stresses failed to do so. I don't know, Friday the 13th did it better by leaving the killer's explanation to some dialogue. But I did like the non-linear narrative structure, alternating the scenes of Shang's real-time rampage with the scenes of the backstory. The kills were inventive and brutal, but also mostly silly enough to be entertaining, and are probably the best thing to recommend this movie. The director was definitely playing homage to the slasher genre. The violence was sometimes horrible, like the pregnant woman losing her fetus, and sometimes comical, like the pitiable disemboweled guy lamenting that his blunt went out. A highlight for me was the guy who gets the crack pipe or bong in the neck, since his arterial blood pumping into the bowl was a well-done practical effect. Also, the mid-coitus kill would have made Jason proud. There's one thing I'd like to put out there for you guys to help me with. It's about the scene at the mother's funeral where Shang is crying about being a failure for not having achieved the success that would get her the apartment she desires. Was I supposed to pity her or be ashamed of her? Because I think the character was an inherently selfish person and her claims that she wanted to help her family were lies. Plus, she made her own poor choices like quitting university to work. And I felt vindicated in my assessment of her character when she allowed her father to die rather than pay out of pocket for his medical care. What a bitch. Anyway, what do you guys think? It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you I'm going to give Dream Home a 3.5 out of 5. The violence, the satire, and Shang were fun, but I thought that the backstory scenes didn't sell me on the rampage. Can't wait to hear what everyone else made of the film. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to Raphael for sending in that movie review. Always great to hear from you, my friend. Always great to hear from you. Now, once again, counterbalance. You're probably saying to yourself, ladies and gents, listeners out there, I am but a humble listener. And thus far, all I've heard is praise, praise from the rooftops, mostly from our reviews thus far. I did say I believe in counterbalance and everything being just and right. And of course, if Don and Ella likes the movie, you know for a fact that one guy might not like it as much. And of course, that is our good buddy Tim Walker, who says, Hello Duncan and Teapot people. Alright, the Hong Kong satirical slasher film Dream Home well, here we go. This was a first-time watch for me. It was on Shudder for quite a while and I was meaning to give it a go a couple of years ago. I guess I put it off because it seemed like it was going to be too comedic for me even if I did have a good... even if it did have good gore. Guess what? It was too comedic for me. Though it did have good gore. In fact, I had great gore and I suspect that that will be the first thing most people talk about whether they like the movie or not. Well, besides the gore, what other positives were there for me? Not much. Literally the only thing I can think of is decent cinematography and some very good looking women, including the lead actress. Sadly, that's all for the positives and I have more negatives um, other than just satire and humour falling flat. First and foremost, while the murder scenes were certainly well done as far as the effects are concerned, especially a really bad CGI gunshot to the head, I felt nothing for any of the victims. They were just fodder, and yes, that includes the pregnant woman. That is a bad sign whether I don't give a shit whether a pregnant woman lives or dies. I know, I know, that's a slasher film trope to have disposable characters, I get it. Maybe part of it was I found the lead character wooden and uninteresting. 
There was nobody or anything I gave a shit about and even a mediocre slasher film will give me something. A likeable character here and there, a compelling villain, an interesting backstory that ties into an urban legend or campfire tale in addition to the gore effects. Something. This had none of that. Add to the fact that while her motive for killing made sense in a crazy kind of way, her motive for the extra sadism did not. If she wanted them dead, she would just kill them quickly. The extra viciousness didn't work for me because it didn't make any sense. Using a vacuum cleaner to suffocate, cutting off a penis just because etc doesn't make sense. If there was a revenge move, then it probably would work. That fits fine in a movie like I Spit in Your Grave. Barring something like that, the sadism took me out of it. Not because it was too gory or mean-spirited, it just didn't make sense. I know I say it a lot, but they may as well pan around and show the camera crew waving hi. The extra cruelty was obviously done to wow the audience and made no sense for the character. If someone were to say, well she's a psycho, she enjoys killing and giving pain, I would ask why. General frustration in life? Sorry, that's not a good enough reason to be so sadistic. Any answer will do, I'm not too picky, no answer was given by the movie, no fucks given by me. I will say, Tim, um, I don't think it's necessarily spelled out, but I think it is heavily implied that the sadistic nature of the killing is to drop the price of the property. If it was just someone going around killing people, yeah, I think the property prices might drop, but if they genuinely think that there's a serial killer out there who is, you know, for all intents and purposes, cutting up and carving up his victims, I think that's maybe tad for it. Whether it works for you or not, I think that is done in there, and I'm gonna shush now, because it's not my job to critique your critique, if that makes sense. So even the murder scenes didn't work for me, despite the great gore and gorgeous women. What about the story otherwise? Frankly, if she wasn't murdering people, I was totally bored and interested in every scene, be it set in the past or present. At least during the murder scenes, I was paying attention not to check the time or make a sandwich or anything. The flashback scenes fell out of place and I felt that the movie uh, was grinding to a screeching halt. The flashbacks only added more boredom to a movie I already thought was really slow and uninteresting and there wasn't a murder scene. I guess the flashback scenes were there to show how long she's been wanting a place of her own and how long this has been a problem in Hong Kong. Sorry, but I couldn't care less. I'm a fella who can relate to someone badly wanting to get their own place too, but I still didn't care. Very, very little of this movie worked for me. Now, unlike One Cut of the Dead, I think I have a good idea what the big deal with this movie is. It's the effects. If anyone were to list something else, as more impressive, I'd be pretty surprised. I suppose the satire will work pretty well for many people, but I also suspect the gore will be first and foremost in the minds of nearly everyone with this one. Once again, I didn't like this movie, but there is also no hate. It just doesn't work for me. A movie has to go out its way to be obnoxious before I hate it. Two stars out of five for me. Well, I hope everyone takes it in their stride. I really, it's really rare when a movie pleases everyone. You may not believe me, but I'm actually a fan of Asian horror. You just happen to pick a few I didn't like for Movie Club. Only one out of five so far has got a positive review from me, I recall. It happens. Maybe the last one will do the trick. I'm assuming Duncan's December movie is the last Asian horror one for the time being, and I will see you then. Take care, Duncan, and teapots people. Tim. Oh, Tim. Scathing. Scathing, scathing, scathing. Um. 
we've had this conversation before. There's nothing. I don't want to. I cannot change your mind on this. Um, I am seeing a pattern. Don't try and work out why other people like a movie. Um, as well as don't try and work out why people hate a movie. I think that's like. I And I know you're genuinely taking movies from face value and then trying to work out at the back end why people are lavishing it with praise. The movie really works for me. I think the satire is brilliant. I think the satire is great, once again, because I think it's something from a culture point of view. And I don't want to slam America. I really, really don't. But I think you guys live in your own little bubble, <laughs> like really, compared to the rest of the world. Um, and satire is something that UK cinema um, and culture is really built on. So, and Hong Kong, once again, being a former colony, or a former territory, I should say, of the UK, I think the they put in a healthy dose of British satire in here. So I think it just works for audiences over here maybe a bit better than it does in America. I think the backstory, I don't personally think the backstory slows it down and unlike what David Gara Jr. was saying, I don't necessarily think she's a sympathetic character at all. Um, if anything, I think she's a very selfish, narcissistic character. Um, but yeah, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Interestingly enough, I don't see this movie as a comedy, even though, like Don was saying, and I think I'm with Don on this one, it's labelled as that quite a bit. Uh, yeah, it's difficult not to smile at someone getting carved up, but I think the cinematography, the score to this movie, and the satire work just as well as any kill effects, but that's just myself. Um, hopefully we swing in with something that gets a bit of love from me towards the end because 2 out of 5 is a better ratio than, well 2 out of 6 is a better ratio than 1 out of 6 if you know what I'm saying. But thank you once again for submitting in your review. It's always great to hear from you Tim and you know that I'm a good sport just as well as I know that you're a good sport as well. Which leaves us to our final movie review. Of course tradition, grand tradition dictates that we swing out across to our good buddy Lee Russell from They Will Be, well They Must Be Destroyed On Site, They Will Be Destroyed On Site. That's a completely different show, don't listen to that one. Listen to Lee's show, They Must Be Destroyed On Site. Right, Lee says... Hello Teaputs Movie Club, Duncan. I missed last month. I still have not been able to find a copy online of One Cut of the Dead to watch, so I cannot give my thoughts on it. Uh, I don't have Shudder, and I'm not getting Shudder, so it's just out of the question for now, unfortunately. Uh, maybe someday down the road. But I did see Dream Home 2010, and we'll just get right into it. Dream Home is a well-shot, moody, and brutal slasher film at times. Uh, it's also social, uh, political commentary. I fundamentally agree with uh, a lot of its critique of the horrors, the corruption, and late-stage capitalism. The film decides to take those consequences to a both brutal and darkly comedic extreme at times, commenting on how this sort of stuff can crush individuals crush communities turn people against each other and there's a lot of good stuff in this movie uh i will say though sadly this movie doesn't handle certain aspects of this all too well it doesn't balance too well in the end for me is what i should say when we switch to something like the dead serious and gruesome tone of the home invasion of the first flat by our protagonist that leads to the brutal accidental miscarriage kill and 
that's just very gruesome, very gross. And then later on in the film, we get to these party kids in the next flat, and one of these uh, kids, a drug dealer or something like that, gets disemboweled. And then we have him smoking his last joint as he sits in a pile of his own guts, uh, which feels right out of an over-the-top hatchet sequel. Whereas the miscarriage kill felt like upper-tier French extreme violence played super realistically. And I just feel like this film didn't handle the switch in tone well at all. I found it really distracting. Had it stayed on track as just being deadly serious or darkly comedic and tragic, I probably would have enjoyed this movie a lot more if it had just picked one and stuck with it. I also felt like the film was too long. It's not as long as some of these Asian horror films tend to be these days, but it still felt too long. I could have cut a good 20 to 30 minutes out of this, honestly. Uh, I, I get the point that it's trying to go for about an hour in and the constant flashbacks to what led to our protagonist uh, just getting set off and starting killing spree in this apartment housing just felt way too repetitive to me uh, I often got bored honestly now don't let them make it sound like I hated this film though uh, overall it is a well-made film it just unfortunately I think stumbles tonally it's trying to be a couple of different things all at once and it doesn't really pull it off. I mean, you, you go from, again, that miscarriage thing to really over-the-top crazy gore that belongs in a hatchet film. And I just don't think the film manages to fit those pieces together all that well. But it's still worth watching. There's some good stuff in it. If you're a gore hound, you're, you're going to love it. I feel like people can pick little bits and pieces out of here that they're really going to enjoy. Or they might just love the entire film. It just might be my own personal opinion here. But uh, for me, three stars on the Netflix scale. So yeah, there you go. Looking forward to seeing what everyone else has to say about this one. I know you're a big fan of it, Duncan, so uh, you might have some disparaging comments for me on this one. But um, yeah, that's where I sit on it. Cheers, guys. And there we go, so that's the final movie review from our good buddy Lee. Once again, kind of raising some concerns that other reviewers have done, specifically on tonal inconsistency on this one. Um, I to be honest with you, you do raise a good point. I think the movie at times uh, can be a bit schizophrenic. I think it's maybe why I like it as much as I do. I like... I think the Asian genre specifically not always but can sometimes be a melting pot of lots of different ideas and lots of different styles and lots of different tones and maybe they don't always work well together um but at times i will forgo something that feels a bit you know that's a bit cheesy in favor of the overall picture and i think the stuff that you raise specifically about the kind of political satire or political commentary specifically aimed at Hong Kong, which in this light, I could not have timed this better with all the riots that are happening there, which shows that uh, the social construct there is still fractious to the point of revolution. I think um, highlights that. I will never tell anyone that this is the best Asian horror movie, but I think you will struggle 
to name many Asian slashers that do as much right as Dream Home. There are a few out there, but I think they give they give it a good crack. I also think if you put it against almost any slasher that came out the same time period, it does things that are just infinitely better than their Western counterparts. And maybe that's why I rate it so high, because it is like a weird kind of dual, a shining jewel in a, a sea of subpar cliched nonsense that I kind of like it because we've seen the whole he was a you know a killer that was wronged as a kid and now he's back that the idea of something being grounded in this this brutality born out of the fact of a, capital, a capitalistic structure which has fallen apart kind of makes it feel real and to be honest people do shit like that. Interestingly enough, and I hadn't married this up, and this is a total aside, uh, for anyone out there that enjoys listening to t- true crime podcasts um, and might think that this movie was a little bit far-fetched and a bit silly, um, there is a podcast called The Storyteller, Murder Most Phil, which is just wrapping up at the moment. It's a Scottish podcast, and it talks about a murder in Aberdeen where essentially this woman was found hacked to death, her head almost severed completely off with a knife, which is very uncommon in Scotland. We just don't have that much murder here. Uh, A lot of knife crime, mind you, but not a lot of murder. And um, what we find out is the killer essentially um, was this very timid male... And this is not a spoiler because you can read about this online but was a woman that did it and not only was a woman but she lived above her and then just one day decided because she had no money that she would rob her neighbour by killing her like slicing her to death for the sake of what would be ostensibly about $15 is what she got Um, and listening to that like at times when I, I feel myself getting pulled out of a movie like Dream Home and going, you know, it's still a bit, and then you hear these stories and you go, there's something weirdly grounded in reality about them at times, which, once again, I like, maybe even more so than, even though I do love the Jason movies and stuff, but, you know, when they're grounded a bit more in reality, I think that's where they hit a bit more, um, and that's a bit more, it's a bit easier to just say, well, he's a mass killer killing people, than it is to actually give someone a real motive for, for what they're doing. So yeah, no hate from me, from anyone who either liked or disliked this movie, um, I love you all. Anyone that takes the time out of their life to send a review in here gets nothing but props from this guy. So thank you very much for once again submitting that in, Lee. It's always great to hear from you. And um, drop me a line if you're struggling uh, getting on that uh, One Cut of the Dead because I'll tell you what I'll do for you, buddy. I'll send you a copy over to the the great northern... I was going to say the States, but you'll spit in my face over at Canada for you um, because the copy that you can buy in the UK is region-free. So I will send that over to you, my friend, as a thank you very much for submitting some reviews to the show. Right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we're closing it out right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. you've been listening to that podcast under the stairs bonus episode 209 it was movie club listener reviews for dream at home our second to last asian horror movie of this asian horror job that we've been doing for the last five months has been a ton of fun i can announce 
what we're going to be doing in January and you're either going to love it or you're going to fucking hate it and I don't think there's much middle ground um, but we are going to turn our attention uh, more towards my home than anything else um, and we're going to do a four month run of Movie Club looking at Hammer Horror movies. Now I'm saying four months because that's what I've kind of got planned at the moment. I want to do four themes next year. Um, three themes, sorry, three themes next year. Um, four months apiece. So I want to kick off with something a, a bit more fun um, and something that, you know, really is near and dear to my heart. I grew up on Hammer Horror movies. So that's what we're going to be doing. It's kicking off in January. There's, of course, a movie still to come in December and you will find the details of that in just over a week's time when I announce it for you. And uh, we'll see if we can maybe bring everyone into a bit of harmony at the end. There is a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say, come across, check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. You can also check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course, Spotify. Come across to our website, it's tputzcast.com. You can buy merch like posters and pins from our merch page. That is tputzcast.bigcartel.com. You can visit us on Facebook if you want to join the group page and interact with other listeners who not only love horror movies but listen to the show. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. Alternatively, if you only want to know when the shows are dropping, occasionally check out your live stream or a Thursday, Thursday, you can do it by going to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. Interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at tputz. Cast. And finally, check us out on the Flick Chat app. It is free and available on Android and iOS. It is a social media app designed for podcasters and listeners to interact. Not only can you listen to the shows directly through the app, but you can then get in touch with us through a series of managed message board posts for all the different subsets. We have one for Movie Club there, so you can come across and let us know your feelings if you missed the deadline for this series. Uh, yeah, come across and check us there. Our join code is TPUTSCAST. Right, the podcast under the stairs will return to you on Saturday. Ladies and gents, we'll be doing a little November report covering the month that was November, the big news stories, the movies that came out, what the bespoke labels put out this month, and of course, how we did on podcast under the stairs before closing the week out on Sunday, 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 when we sit down as a team and do a little review of our next Arrow video assortment. That's right, we're going to be looking at Mario Bava, which makes my nipples hard, with a little bit of five dolls from our August moon. Oh, have you seen it before? Hopefully you have. It's a ton of fun. It's a classic whodunit. And as a guy who just recently saw that new Knives Out movie, which, by the way, if you've not seen it, go and check it out. It's fucking the tits. Um, yeah. You're going to have fun with this one. It is cheesy and Agatha Christie-esque in a way that makes me very happy. Five dolls for an August moon coming up on Sunday. But until then, wherever you are, what have the times on us and what have you up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. Taken by the freezing ice Expectorated 
Tommy 